This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. To pass further tests and evaluation after his head knock last weekend, he did brilliantly well in practice, and we're pleased to say that he did pass those tests and evaluation. And Joseph Newgarden is clear to race for the full weekend. All right, here we go. We're still in Q1, but this is Group 2. And that's Marcus Erickson, the championship leader, slowing and pulling off the track in the Husky Chocolate Honda. What has happened? Uh, we saw an issue here, so uh, just get it out of the way there. We'll send the tow truck. Man. Oh, no. Red flag is out. No matter what happens, he cannot participate in the rest of qualifying. He cannot advance. Will Power now works his way onto turn number 12, trying to tie Mario Andretti. Mark Mario Andretti drives the two-seater. Question is, does he now have a co-pilot atop the record books? Will Power waits to see what his time is. He is fourth quick. Felix Rosenquist is P1 as he heads back onto pit road as the checkered flag flies on the session. So Rosenquist, Rossi, Pato Award, Will Power, Joseph Newgarden, Christian Lungard, the fast six. This is anybody's poll at this point. Rosenquist is in the green to almost two tenths of a second. It's looking good for the Swedish oh, driver. he is flying. He loves this place. He got his first career poll here with Chip Ganassi racing a few years back. And he is handling these hot track temps up to 128 degrees very well as he goes to the top. Does Felix Rosenquist grab his second pole position of the year? He's in the pit box. Lots of uh, applause down there in the Arrow McLaren box. He's got it. Second pole of the 2022 season. Let's go, guys. Mega job. Really good. On rails the whole day, man. I, I felt so calm in the car. And uh, I think I knew when I did that lap that it was uh, the one. So big, big thanks to the team. Really good car. Felix Rosenquist. Quiz will lead the field tomorrow at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It seems to me like Saturday because qualifying was today, tomorrow is race day, and alas, late this afternoon, as I'm just kind of enjoying the day with some friends at the Speedway during Xfinity practice and qualifying, it's ooh. We've got a show tonight. It's time for Trackside Weekly as we lead up to Brickyard Weekend uh, and the Gallagher Grand Prix coming up for IndyCar and, of course, NASCAR Xfinity tomorrow afternoon, the Cup Race on Sunday. We might touch on NASCAR. Our buddy A.J. Allmendinger shows that open-wheel drivers and, and Formula Car drivers are superior on road courses once again, and he won the poll in Xfinity, but we're here to talk mostly about what's happening in IndyCar and Felix Rosenquist making a bit of a statement, winning the poll for tomorrow's IndyCar race. Hello, welcome. Thanks for joining us. I'm Kevin Lee. Kurt Cavan is along with us. Josh Molinix is our studio producer tonight as well. Sam Rumsa uh, from IndyCar Radio, I think, still helped put the Open together. Highlights courtesy of NBC Sports and IndyCar Radio as well. Um, some surprises, good and bad, for qualifying today, Kurt. I, I, I couldn't agree more. There was a lot of interesting things to look at. Um, start with the highlight uh, that we heard just a few minutes ago with Joseph Newgarden getting cleared, then going out and doing what a Joseph Newgarden would do after he's had uh, an accident. In fact, I look back at uh, 2016 when he ran at Texas and had the crash with, with Connor Daly, and then the next race comes out, finishes second. So, you know, the guy's got kind of a knack for uh, for rebounding pretty quickly. Uh, so he runs second in the first practice, gets checked again, uh, qualifies fifth, 
Looks like nothing ever happened. Spoke to the media. The largest media turnout of the day was for Joseph Newgarden at the Team Penske Transporter uh, late this afternoon. We got a chance to to hear his thoughts, and those are some of the things we can talk about tonight. But yeah, just good fun. I and I agree with you. It feels like a Saturday. I I don't know that I was worried about about missing the show, but I did have to think about several times today as I was writing stories. I kept thinking. Uh, I've just written Saturday and no, no, the race is Saturday. Today is Friday. So yeah, I was kind of all messed up and, and it will continue to be that way through the weekend. So a good first day. The weather's great. Uh, The crowd was out. Uh, I expect a bigger crowd tomorrow. I think it'll be one of the, one of the better racing days of the season at IMS that doesn't include the Indy 500, certainly. But uh, it's going to be really fun tomorrow with with uh, three different types of cars on track and and just uh, a lot of action in an IndyCar race, which we all love. And we've got news to talk about today, too. There's, of course, always something new in the Alex Pillow saga. We've got a new event coming to IMS next year, uh, some news on the schedule and a lot of things to get to. But we... We start with qualifying, and let's let's start with Newgarden, and maybe even going back to last night. We mentioned on the show last night that he was cleared. Uh, maybe the favorite part of the evening was the 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 Twitter conversation, if you want to call it that, between Santino Ferrucci, his stand-in, and Joseph Newgarden. Well, bless poor old bless. Uh... Bless his heart. Santino tried to to put a nice tweet together. He said he read it 10 times before he tweeted it out to Joseph and really felt like he wanted to be respectful of of Joseph's position with the race team and as a two-time series champion. And as Santino told you, it it's really the highlight of, of his career so far just to be named as a stand-in, a possible stand-in at that. So he, he sends out this tweet and misspells Joseph's name. And in his defense, he said, my middle name is Joseph, and that's how that's how I spell it. And uh, so anyway, he gets it okay. wrong, and Joseph, Joseph responds, puts a little asterisk beside his name and said, you know, we're, we're about details here at Team Penske. Cute little exchange. Felt bad for Santino. You know, Joseph's just kind of poking fun at him, but, uh, you know, it's, it all worked out well. But it was funny stuff. And, you know, we, we make fun of Santino and think, how could you not be able to spell a two-time champion's first name that we've seen in print forever? Yet, it seems like a third of the drivers and, in many cases, team owners cannot pronounce the first name of a four-time Indianapolis 500 winner, right? Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. There, there is <laughs> or, or, or last year's ever... champion. His teammates call him Palau. That's what I heard the other day, and I thought, this is just strange that they don't know his name is Pillow. Now, again, you know, in the, in the Helio, I mean, I, I, I'm around a lot of people over the course of a week, and I, I'm surprised that uh, how few of them still g- can get it right. But uh, anyway, uh, Palau, Pillow, whatever his name is, he's still in the news. But, uh, but yeah, it was um, – Joseph with a, you know, and the other thing is, you know, I'm in the business of spelling, so I get it. And the other thing is, if you have a friend named Joseph or you, you've typed Joseph and you go to do a tweet on your phone, the autocorrect is going to go to the most familiar thing it has in your phone first. And you do have to look at it. Yeah. You really should have. (laughs) I mean, that would have been an easy excuse because 
I mean, there's, I can't think where my example would be on this, but, but there's somebody's name that, that I've gone to type and, and it does, it, it reverts back to another spelling. And in this case, for me, it's another name. And it's like, you're, you're sending it to Bob, but you, you know, you start to type bill and, and then you like, really seriously, you don't know my name. So, you know, poor, poor Santino, he tried. And then I was afraid he was banished. So I'm standing on, on new garden watch and as you might imagine, he wasn't super keen to be real chatty. Uh, he was cordial and just said, I'm, I'm fine. I'm not concerned about passing. This was before the first practice. Uh, and then I see Santino come up and we're looking, you know, to have him on camera because I checked with the team. I said, is he still on standby? And they said, yes, you know, he'll, he'll still be on standby until we get through this first session and it's official that he's cleared. And I looked and he's gone. And he's hanging out down, way down in the McLaren pit. You know, I think that's probably part of it, too. I, I don't think this is true, but it, it almost seems that way. It's, no, no. It, Joseph Newgarden is saying, this is my car. Get away. You're not going to be needed. And, you know, some of you even joked that that was extra motivation. Uh, let's face it. You know, we, we find Santino entertaining and polarizing, and he's good. But he's not super popular with the other drivers. Not all of them, but some of them. They don't like Santino Ferrucci and Joseph himself. Remember that? He basically dressed him down. Was it at Iowa two or three years ago? Uh, I think it was. He That's as angry as I've seen Joseph. And the first time I've ever really seen him angry uh, at someone else on the track. So it's, no, no, you're not only not driving my car. I don't want you standing in my pit. Go down there. Santino did tell me we had gotten to the point that he was going to do both races. He said he had somebody on standby to do the Xfinity race, but you know, since he, he didn't do the first practice, it wasn't going to be a super taxing day physically. He was going to go ahead and do both races. And I also think by that point, he knew the chances were slim to none that he was going to be getting in the car. Uh, I, I saw some of some clips of what Joseph said. I think, can he say he has felt pretty good all week and, and has always been confident. I asked him that this morning, and he said, I don't want to get into it. So, yeah, he did get into it a little bit more. He said the really what he went into was kind of a 48-hour uh, close down. And, you know, very little lights, very little screen time, even though neither one of those two things bothered him. He still felt like, and I thought this was interesting, he said, based on all the things I've heard people say about concussions over the years, I thought I ought to follow that strategy. So, so he went dark, uh, so to speak, for 48 hours. And he said, by Tuesday, I really felt felt strong and, and felt ready to go. Uh, he missed a, simula a simulator test that he was going to do on Monday. Uh, he said that, but on the flip side, it got him out of some meetings that he didn't necessarily want to be in or enjoy being in. Uh, at least they weren't his favorite things of the week. And so that was good. But he did say that that uh, the naming of a stand-in driver was motivation for him. You know, it was like, mm. okay, this makes it real. And, you know, I don't think he was joking about that. He didn't say it, you know, with with sternness or excitement, either one. He just said, you know, hearing somebody else's uh, name attached to your car is is motivation, and I wanted to kind of prove uh, that that I was ready. But I don't think he ever really felt, 
you know, bad. He never, he didn't indicate that, but he said, I took the steps that you would take if, if uh, you had been concussed. And he said that if I was a doctor, I would probably say I was concussed, but I don't know that I was. Did he offer any insight what was told as to why he briefly lost consciousness, passed out, whatever? So that question uh, was not asked. Uh, there were literally 30 journalists, probably, cameramen, et cetera, and it was the, the press availability was during the Xfinity practice. Honestly, I was within four feet of Joseph and couldn't hear him half the time. I mean, it was so okay. loud. It, you know, the, the paddock is at that end of, of the racetrack where you're close to the cars, which would be turns, what, 12, 13, and 14 of yeah, the road Yeah, it's close course. to Oval Turn 1. It really is. And so, uh, you know, I couldn't hear very well, much less ask a question. But that was the question I really wanted to know. What happened in the fall? Did you just kind of feel faint, which I certainly have done before? And next thing you know, uh, you're picking yourself up off the ground. It happened to me at altitude, uh, which is uh, at the top of Pikes Peak, of all things. Got off the train, had been on a, on that train ride up Pikes Peak, and it was warm. And got off the train, and all of a sudden hit the altitude in a cool air. And next thing I know, you know, they're asking me if I'm okay. So it might have been just something that quick. Um, and so anyway, we didn't get that answer. And the other thing is, he came out playfully wearing this big hat to cover his entire head. It wasn't really a hat. I can't even describe it was like what it was. like a wrestling – I thought it was wrestling yeah. headgear. It might have been wrestling headgear. I don't know where they got it, but uh, uh, he came out wearing that, he and Scott McLaughlin, as a joke. And then he took it off, and I wanted to say, can I see where – you know, did you get stitches? Did you – how big is this, this abrasion on your head? Maybe we couldn't have seen it, but uh, – Anyway, I would have liked to ask those couple of questions, but we didn't get those answers. All right, so it's fantastic that Joseph's okay. Uh, one, we like Joseph, and we want even people we don't like to be okay, so we're happy with that. And just from a competitive standpoint, right? Nice save. Nice save. <laughs> no, it's not, it's just it's not like, okay, we, we, we want him to be healthy because we like him, but you know what? Even if it's somebody we don't like, we don't want them to not be healthy. And he, he ticks off both those boxes. But also from the championship standpoint, um, he's got a legit shot. He's got a legit shot, and you'd hate to see somebody miss a chance because of something like that. And now whoever gets it is going to have to earn it, and he's going to be starting up near the front, starting fifth, uh, I, I really kind of assumed Will Power was going to win yet another poll. Now, his car was not great. So, Newgarden and McLaughlin were better in the first practice. Power was only 18th. Sometimes that doesn't tell the story, but I checked in with the team before and is it, no, we really weren't that good. So, we've taken some of what McLaughlin and uh, Power, uh, that Newgarden and McLaughlin had, and have put that on Will's car and it was better. And it looked like he was going to have a chance in the Firestone Fast Six. But lo and behold, Felix Rosenquist pulls it out. Yet another case of, hey, right over here, I'm pretty good. I finally figured these cars out in year two. Give me year three. Yeah, it was great for Felix. That's his third uh, poll of his career. And, and, and just 
you know, I, I don't know. We've gushed over Felix and the way he's handled this and, and his professionalism several times on this show over the past few weeks. And this is just another example. It's, yet when good things happen to good people, uh, most interestingly, I thought, was we didn't really have a podium because it was qualifying, but they brought the top three qualifiers into the media yeah. center. And that's Errol McLaren SP, as we know it, past and uh, future and present. Uh, Rosenquist first, Alexander Rossi, who will be moving to that team for the 2023 season, and then Pato Award qualifying third. So it was kind of an all-orange uh, press conference with Power fourth, Newgarden fifth, and the rookie Christian Lundgarden in what is back-to-back -back, uh, Firestone Fast Sixes in this event or the NASCAR race weekend event for IndyCar. Uh, he makes the Fast Six again and really, you know, impressive given uh, uh, given the struggles that Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan has had this season. But again, kudos to Felix. And, you know, you're talking about Joseph – you know, trying to you wouldn't be surprised if he won and, you know, he'll he'll put on a good show uh, Saturday, as we all expect. But Rosenquist is, you know, <laughs> hungrier than hungry gets. And, you know, Rossi hasn't won in in a long time. And and Pato's trying to win for the championship and power wants uh, to kind of take another step on the all time wins list. And then there's Lundgaard, who uh, almost doesn't know better still in this sport. And it's going to be fun at the front, as it usually is in this sport. And I, I thought I heard someone ask, you know, hey, is this next year's team roster to the three guys up there? And what was Felix's response? Uh, something of like, – I hope somebody confirms that. Can you confirm that for me? Yeah, I see, yeah sign us up. Uh, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, that that was good. Felix is a, a funny guy, and 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 the other interesting thing we'll get to to Marcus Erickson in a minute, but he's going to start last on this twenty five twenty five car field. So we've got the Swedes booking bookending uh, the the field. Uh, the short Swede is going to start on the pole, and the tall Swede is going to start from the last spot. And it wouldn't be True. surprising to me if they kind of ended up together come come um, the end of the eighty fifth lap because. We have seen that, uh, and I, I wrote a piece that'll that'll be on IndyCar.com tomorrow morning. But Erickson is uh, he's really raced well, and of course, we heard last weekend Power say that he thinks that uh, that uh, Marcus Erickson might be the best racer in the series right now, which is high high praise for sure. So of the of the six that are legitimately in the championship, they're all over the map. So you've got. Pato starting third, Power starting fourth, Newgarden fifth, Palo seventh, and then Dixon twentieth and Erickson twenty fifth. Yeah, and it's, Dixon uh... with very pointed comments today for not the first time on that track this year. He was not happy in May either. Yeah, he was not happy with his crew. Although he said in May. The issue with the qualifying performance, he was 21st, was on him. Uh, he had a slow first lap and then uh, and then spun on lap two. But in this case... Oh, I guess I was thinking of practice. He kind of unloaded to me after one I think of the practices that... Was practice. that Might have been practice. Yeah, how we keep... No, he unloaded after qualifying, too. Because he told me off-air uh, after one of the practices, and then he basically repeated it on air after he didn't advance saying he was very disappointed that, you know, we keep 
taking big swings and misses. We got to figure out what we're doing. And then what was the quote today? I think I did a, a cut and paste because he was talking to Dylan on on the Peacock broadcast. Uh, but that's about as pointed. At, it, that was a complete mess. Amateur hour over here is what he said. Yeah, he what he said was, and and remember he was in the group with Marcus Erickson, and so Erickson goes out for his first lap of the session, uh, stalls the car, you know, shuts it down, and so they've got to retrieve Marcus. That takes a little bit of time because we got a red flag, and then the Ganassi group that's on. Dixon's car decides no time for a banker lap. We're sending you out in red with a red tire and send him out in traffic. And so he has to woe up and look for some space to run. And then I think what he said was I didn't get the front wing. He said we didn't add adjust. the two to three turns of front wing we needed for the reds. Yeah. So that, that just compounds things. And that led to the quote that, that you just read. Oh. So he's in the back. Uh, so will he finish fourth or fifth from 20? Probably He'll still fifth. finish yeah, up there, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just does what Scott Dixon does. Boy, I, you know, I think about the guys in the paddock, I, you know, from a driver's standpoint that I wouldn't want to have mad at me if I was a crew member. Scott Dixon would be pretty high up on the list. I mean, you know, you have such great respect for him that when he does speak up like that, you just feel awful. You know, some drivers, some athletes complain so much that, you know, it's it's the crying wolf by the time you've heard it for the 38th time. But Scott Dixon yeah. picks and chooses his battles so, such that when he says something like that, I think the crew really notices, yeah, he might finish top three tomorrow, all things considered. But you got Grosjean back there. Uh, you know, he ran really well last year. Now, that was a coin car last year, but he ran really well at this racetrack last year and he's back there in the back they had brake issues um you know marcus erickson we expect to be on the charge because we don't you know it's not like he qualified poorly or or you know we don't know anything about his qualifying effort because he never made it out he'll actually have three sets of tires doesn't he so he'll be yeah. uh he's got a lot of red tires to use up if 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 the opportunity presents itself yeah he he's it's a four stint race so he can if he wants start on blacks and he's going to want to go off strategy anyway so he's going to come in early and he's going to run three sets of sticker reds good for him that'll be fun that'll be fun yeah so so he's back there and dixon's back there grosjean's back there and you know we we like uh we like it when we get some some spirit back there in the back, and we're certainly going to have it noon Eastern uh, broadcast time on uh, on Saturday with NBC having the coverage and Peacock and the IndyCar Radio Network. Uh, let's see what else stands out from qualifying today. You know, I, I think Christian Lungard is worth another look and just a mention of of what he's doing and out qualifying his veteran teammates. And they weren't that far off though. Jack Harvey and Graham Ray Hall were not that far off, so I think Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan might have taken a little step forward this weekend uh, as well. Um, Connor Daly with a pretty solid run. Malukas was up there for a while. He went P1 in one of the sessions for a little while, but you know, probably just because he got on the Reds earlier than some other people. But I think still all things considered, starting 11th, he continues to outperform 
Takuma Sato. I think I saw a quote from him on IndyCar Radio. Yeah, he was asked, what changes do you need to make? And he said everything. And it's 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 been strange where they're at. I, I expected them to struggle. I remember talking about that early in the year when I talked with Takuma uh, at Media Days, and it was basically, we're going to get one day of testing before the season starts. New team, new engineer, everything, and that's going to make it tough. And maybe that's part of it. You know, we, we talk about how a team like Andretti sometimes can't catch up. It's tough to catch up with everybody, and you may not catch up in a season. And so far, most of the time, they have not. He's he's had a, a surprising numbers this year because I know he can still race, and I know that team is good. Yeah, yeah, I believe in in Taku as well. The other thing, if you're looking for things that were interesting, I found it interesting that that uh, no Ganassi car made the Firestone Fast Six. Uh, Polo is starting from the seventh spot, and the rest of them are are pretty far pretty far down the order. Of course, we talked about uh, Dixon and Malukas. Uh, I mean, uh, Erickson started to say Marcus and got Malukas, but, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty far down the list, deep, really deep in the list. So, uh, that's, um, that's a strange one. I don't know. I think I heard on the Peacock broadcast, uh, when the last time a Ganassi car didn't make the Firestone fast six, and it was probably early last year, but I don't remember. And I went Mm. to look it up and, and didn't, didn't get there, but it's been a while. So I mentioned that Takuma hasn't had any results, and then I see, oh, yeah, he did qualify fourth at Iowa. Different situation, though. They've actually had some decent runs. He qualified up front at Texas um, and second at Detroit. But other than that, you're seeing the last three road courses or street courses were 19th, 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 13th at the last NDGP, 17th at Barber, 22nd at Long Beach, 22nd at St. Pete, and where did he end up today? Somewhere back there in the early 20s. So, yeah, I guess it, it does still stand. Uh, 18th. So, yeah, still some work to, to be done as far as their concerns. I think those are the main highlights as far as qualifying. Uh, and, and the great thing about this track is it always gets mixed up. Some things always happen. So just because your favorite driver did not qualify well doesn't mean that their weekend is over. So more on that coming up in just a moment. Off-track news, we'll get to some of that. There's plenty happening and much more on the way. Trackside 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hi, this is Felix Rosenquist, and you're listening to Trackside. Felix Rosenquist, the NTTP1 award winner from today after uh, tomorrow night's IndyCar and Xfinity races how about we say it this way tomorrow night after those two races the racing continues at the Tom Wood Group Indianapolis Speedrome powered by Lincoln Tech a full night of stock car racing on the historic fifth mile oval capped by the 100 lap wild and unpredictable late model figure eight the Speedrome features family-friendly action, great food, free parking, and outrageous fun at Brookville Road and Kitley Avenue. That's on the southeast side of Indy. If you want directions, tweet to Kevin. And you need more information, find that at <laughs> speedrome.com. No, I'm only in charge of programming and personnel and commercial load and things for network television. Yeah, those are the things I'm in charge of. So we'll, well get that done. Can... 
<laughs> you know your way around. Anyway, you got the news of the day. What do you got? Well, I, uh, so we, we said that there was a big announcement coming up at 11 a.m. This is one of those that I, I think I knew what was coming, but I cheated. You know, it's not like um, I had sources and I scooped this one out like an intrepid reporter. This is one of those things that as a, quote, partner, I find out these things. So I couldn't say what it was, but it's IMSA is coming back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the top series, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in September of 2023. Did you happen to uh, go to the press conference today? Because it started while we were still on the air. So I've heard some of the bullet points, but I'll let you share what you know. Of course I was there. The uh, bullet points are this. That race will be September 15, 16, and 17. It will be a two-hour and 40-minute race, one of the short races, for reasons that Kevin will further explain uh, based on the calendar that IMSA has. Anyway, we would expect, I think based on this year's calendar, uh, for the IndyCar season to wrap the weekend prior, and then, mm-hmm. then IMSA would be at the Speedway the next weekend. So again, 15, 16, and 17 of September in 2023. The contract calls apparently for races in 24 and 25, and in those years, they're going to have an endurance race. So it'll be a daylight to darkness type of event. And in fact, next year's race, probably going to green flag on the big series at, uh, you know, early afternoon, probably a one o'clock start. And then you'll see a mission pilot uh, race that will run later in a four hour race that will run later in the day and take in some of those characteristics of starting in daylight, but then, uh, you know, finishing up at night or at least in the darkness to some degree. And then there were questions about, are there going to be lights put in? And Doug Bowles said pretty, pretty, you know, positively, there was enough light or there is enough light from the scoring pylon and the video boards with the headlights that are on the race cars. There shouldn't be much need for external lighting. Uh, There will probably be some at at turn seven and and maybe even like in uh, turn five, six in that that area as well but but those are down the middle of the racetrack and then from you know from just the spectator standpoint they plan to use so much more of the infield that they haven't used in the past for camping and try to turn this into a real event Uh, they're not going to camp on the golf course so you can expect that holes seven and eight on the infield golf course are going to stay protected but uh, but it should be a, a, a fun event where will they camp well, you've got some areas, uh, you know, down Holman Boulevard. So that would be between turn six and seven. Uh, you've got you've got a lot of area down there in in exit of turn one to turn two to turn three, turn four. You know, that little complex down on the north end of the racetrack. Then as you move to the museum or behind the museum, there's camping areas. I mean, that's a okay. big parking lot at the museum that sweeps around behind to, to the side of the building. Uh, that that space is available. I mean, there's not as much as say Daytona, but could, there are. There could are you camp some in the places. Snake Pit area? Could you do something over over there? Yeah, um, yeah. I think to some degree you could. Uh, I think you can. Um, well, then the more I think about it, it's pretty tight back there. But the area where the IndyCar paddock is this weekend would certainly be yep. available. That's a parking area uh, mm-hmm. to some degree. There's not as much in that. You know, the the old Snake Pit section because 
the racetrack now goes through there on the road course side. So uh, obviously you can't put them between uh, the road course and the oval down there in what is oval turn one. But but there are some places, not a lot. I don't know how much, but uh, how many you know campers you can get in there. But I would expect the museum area to be utilized, and I think that would be a, a big area. So I've just asked some of the questions that Fleetwood Marky Moose asked on Twitter as well about where camping might be. And he said an overnight would be epic, but that's not going to happen. Is it? Uh, and then any idea how long they're thinking for 24 and 25? I don't think you're going to be seeing you know, when he says overnight, that means you're talking about a 24 hour race and getting back to what you said a moment ago. Uh, the, the idea and the goal is an endurance race. That's what IMS would like. That's what Roger Penske would like. But if you listen to John Doonan, the IMSA president, and understand his side of things is, yeah, it's another race weekend, but think of it this way. If you do a 24-hour race, that's like six races of normal length, and it's the wear and tear on the equipment. It's just the extra cost. So it's not just race weekends and events you're adding up for the IMSA teams and their budgets. It's hours on the track. So what he has said before is if we're going to add an endurance race, we need to lose one. And that's the question I don't know. I, I think I know where this event on the schedule next year is coming from. And I'll let IMSA announce that next week. They'll announce their schedule in their state of the series at Road America next weekend. And if you've listened to this show in the past, I've guessed, and it was a guess at the time, and I probably ended up guessing two or three and talked my way out of my first guess, but my first guess was right, I think, as to yeah, where that's, where, where that's going to come from. John, John all but confirmed that Mid-Ohio was going to go away. Did he? Uh, okay. Okay. So that, but he also, you know, confirmed that they're going to do an endurance race in 2024 and 2025. And then the question was, well, does that mean five endurance races? And he said, yeah, no, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that conversation for next week. So something is going away on the endurance side. But I don't know what it's going to be. The Rolex 24 is not changing. The 12 hours of Sebring is not changing. I cannot imagine Petit Le Mans, a 10-hour race, changing. Maybe it's shortened. Maybe that's something they're thinking about. Does, does it have to be a 10-hour race? Maybe not. Maybe it becomes a 6- or an 8-hour race, and they just kind of you know do it that way, uh, that this technically a 4-hour race could be considered an endurance race you know we've i know doug bowles is a fan of this too six hours 42 minutes the length of the original uh indian i could be wrong it's 642 or 638 i ask that every time i need to get that seared into my memory and i think it's 642 but whatever um so that's one theory that maybe that could be shortened i don't think watkins watkins glenn would be changed the six hours has some history there could be wrong that one is maybe a little bit more delicate in the timing. We know the first two aren't changing. And one other theory is, do they slash an entire event and just say, we're going to have five endurance races, but we're going to have one less race on the calendar. And then another race go away. Uh, my hope is they just figure out a way to keep the same number of weekends and maybe just tweak with lengths of lengths of race somewhere to make it work out. So he seemed to shoot down the idea of five endurance races. So I would lean toward something else 
uh, either one of those like Petit Le Mans, your 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 idea of of shortening that or uh, some but, other combination. But not to a regular length race, though. That's that's no. got to be an endurance race, I would think. You would think so. Uh, by the um, way, it was six six forty two oh eight. That was the it was the oh eight I was trying to come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd be really surprised if Petit Le Mans changed, but maybe there's some thought um, that if you make it a regular length race, because this is one of the challenges of Petit Le Mans, it's your championship race, but you cannot clear. It is very difficult to clear 10 hours on television. You know, you can get some on cable. You can get a couple of hours on network. Maybe there has been discussion. Hey, if you make it a two hour and 40 minute race, we'll put the whole thing on TV and we'll maybe we'll put the whole thing on NBC. You're doing it on Saturday. It's right after an Xfinity race. You can have a big audience lead in. Hey, maybe. You know, I've just kind of talked myself into that, how commercially, maybe that's how it is sold to the Imps Paddock. But I'm getting out in the weeds there because this is mostly an IndyCar show. But this is cool. And one of the ideas about an endurance race is that means they add an extra driver. It means you can add one of the IndyCar drivers. We see eight or nine or ten that always do these races. For those of us that feel like we'd like to see – you know, I understand the season ending. I, I got no beef about the season ending and avoiding football, but doesn't mean I don't miss IndyCar racing when it ends in early September. So this gives me one extra week of some IndyCar drivers running at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So I like that. Yeah, I like that too. So there's your news of the day. And uh, I guess the, the other news of the day is, do we even have anything on the Alex Pillow front? <laughs> because it seems like every day we've had a little bit of something. So what I saw today was a tweet from Jenna Fryer of the Associated Press. I attempted to check in with Chip Ganassi today and said, well, Alex said he'd be a McLaren driver next year. And Chip's reply was, good for him. I'm not making any statements. I have no quotes to give. But she wrote it down, and in turn, that becomes a quote. <laughs> and that is yeah. a statement in a lack of a statement. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad thing, um, you know, Hopefully this gets resolved soon, but I don't I don't see how it gets resolved for at least a couple more weeks. No, I, I don't. Uh, for Alex's standpoint, I hope they got a plan. And so I mentioned the other day that I was told that one of uh, the Ganassi lawyers beyond Jim Voiles is someone that means business and is very, very good. I also got uh, a message from an attorney friend who knows motorsports as well. And, and when they saw the list of names on the Palo side, it was, Ooh, okay. Uh, this is going to be a fight. This is someone that might have a trick up their sleeve. So don't count them out. So, you know, while a lot of people wonder about this management team that Alex Palo has, and the general thought has been without us knowing anything or what the contract looks like, but the fear, if you're an Alex Palo fan is that he's been advised poorly and maybe he still has, but from what I'm being told, at least they've hired very, very competent legal counsel that maybe they do have something. Uh, one other nugget I, I would say I got, I, I should have asked if I could cite the source and so forth. So I'll just say a friend talked to someone who has had what should have been an identical contract, I would think, with that team and asked... Is there any way there's a loophole for Formula One or anything else and was told no? 
that you know i'm i'm not seeing it i i know in my contract i'm not aware of anything that could have allowed me to get out of my contract early or skip out on an option for a formula one opportunity you know it's not like college basketball coach likely got a lot of a lot of coaches you know if they're from kentucky and they're coaching in Moorhead State, and they may have a, a, a buyout option, and they may write in there, unless Kentucky offers me the job, and then I'm going no matter when it is. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah you're not getting the Kentucky job. <laughs> yeah, fine. We'll allow that loud ad in there. Uh, so we will see. Here's another thought, though. Think about this. Think about the pressure this guy is on. And a lot of us think that he's doing these 30-minute bullpen sessions you know, where uh, they generally, most of the teams kind of rotate the drivers. Now, we don't see the same drivers every week, and, the, you know, they just kind of do it every two or three weeks, and we get to see them every once in a while. Alex Pillow has been to every single one since this started and stood there for 30 minutes, and one guess is, well, one, I think Alex is a stand-up guy, and he doesn't want to hide, so I'm going to give him some credit. But another theory is that Chip Ganassi Racing has mandated this, that you will do this, one, maybe to punish him a little bit. Two, hoping that he slips up and it's something that they can use on the public record. I couldn't agree more. I thought about that uh, during the chit-chat I had with uh, with uh, Nate Ryan yesterday. It was just it just kind of became clear that that was a, a really good tactic on Ganassi's part. Just let him keep talking because, as you know, the more you talk, the more you subject yourself to – uh, evaluation, criticism, or in this case, legal legal peril. Yep. Okay, next item, while we're talking schedule, Marshall Pruitt wrote something in Racer today about the IndyCar schedule, and this is not shocking news. I know I have said before that my belief is next year's schedule is going to be the same. Maybe it's not exactly the same, but very close to the same. Uh, I don't think Texas is done but I don't think they have a lot of other options yet. So, you know, one, they're hoping to make Texas a better event and work with the promoter, maybe self-promote it a little bit. But even if they don't come up with a perfect scenario, I think Texas is on the schedule. And then it's, all right, let's start working on, can we do the Iowa plan somewhere else in 24 if Texas doesn't get turned around in the right way? But there are a couple of new nuggets that that I did not know about that Marshall wrote about he said uh another early start is in the cards but racer understands the saint pete race will likely move forward at least a week into the first weekend in march so does that move forward or move back i think it's back because we started this year in february yeah so uh, so yeah it was in february this year so it would move later in the calendar by a week which is still a week earlier than it had been prior to this year so that's one nugget uh, expects the season to still end in, in early September. So that goes along with avoiding the IMSA race at IMS. He mentioned Texas motor speedway, and it is not expected to conflict with Sebring. So that's good for all involved, uh, including yours truly, I think, uh, although I somehow managed to do both this year, but that was kind of out of necessity. I think uh, generally we'd like to have different crews for each of those. Yeah. Um, here was something of interest beyond 2023. IndyCar has a desire to grow its calendar 
to 20 races per season with the plan involving the addition of new venues without losing any of its current stops on the schedule. Looking at 24, Racer has learned to return to the legendary Milwaukee Miles on the table along with a trip south to Mexico. Uh, so I've, I and others have talked about Milwaukee. I don't think we've mentioned Mexico. I read that somewhere that that was there was a local report talking about NASCAR or IndyCar and they were going to uh, renovate. I forget the track, but it's a track that IndyCar cart raced on way back in the day. Is that right? Well, the 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 one that comes to mind that I I attended was Monterey, Monterey with two R's, uh, but I don't think that's what they're talking about. They're talking about. I don't think that was it. Yeah, I don't think that's it either. So uh, that that surprised me. I'd love that if there were twenty races, but from hearing Roger Penske in recent conversations, I got the impression. My recollection is he has said, no, the paddock thinks that, you know, maybe we can add a race or so, but I'm not sure that everyone has the budget to go three more races. Agreed. Agreed. It's in fact, what surprised me about it is uh, the team owner that has talked the most about keeping the schedule at no more than 18 has been Roger Penske is the guy who so, owns the series now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the that was the the kind of uh, radar, you know, signaling to me that, you know, this is Roger saying we, we don't need more than 17 or 18 races. And now, he, you know, there's this look, he didn't say there was going to be 20 races. Marshall Pruitt did. Now, Marshall reporting is is good. So that isn't to say that either one of them is wrong. But uh, but I'm saying that that would contradict what Roger has said many times. Here's a theory that I have. You know, if you were the series, you want to engage with other promoters. You need to you need people wanting races. You need demand for your supply. So you need to start those conversations. However, if you're starting a conversation with say a new street race, a new road race, a new oval or whatever and the on the record, off the record, everything is, no, we're not adding any races. That means if you come on, someone's going off. Well, that adds some uncertainty, and that doesn't help your current venue. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if that's kind of the way to get around it is, hey, if, if all goes great and all of these events that we have currently are super healthy and super successful, we might consider adding. But in reality, in the back of your mind is, I want to make sure I have somebody on deck in case someone says, no, we can't pay that sanctioning fee or we lost our title sponsor. Or if IndyCar says, you know what? We gave you a chance, Texas Motor Speedway, and you did not promote the race anymore. And you know, I'm just throwing that out there. You know, who's to say if it, the track is to blame or whatever. That race is not working particularly well. So something's going to have to go better. So it's a way of not saying everybody's on the chopping block but let's make sure we have some options down the road. And in a best case scenario, if everything is great, maybe we do add onto the schedule. Yeah. I think you talked, uh, talked in the talking points just right. That's how we'll, <laughs> we'll script the press release when it comes out. Good, no, that good work. Go well you've got a press release. You gotta you've be got a, a lot more succinct. You gotta be more succinct than a press release. That's why I don't write press releases yet. That's the next stage of my career. Hang as on the as manager, of, manager of a race team. 
or well, racing Well, I guess driver. I have written press releases. I have written press releases, and they take a little while to whittle things down a little bit. All right, we're going to get into what we missed and uh, more. Talk about the race tomorrow for IndyCar just afternoon. Xfinity later on, Cup on Sunday. Big weekend, and the weather is cooperating quite nicely. Stay with us. Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Hi, this is Alexander Rossi, and you're listening to Trackside. Let's get to the Twitter inbox at Kevin Lee 23 for the love of Indy says it was rug- rugby headgear the new garden was wearing. I'm not super up on the rugby. I guess nor am I up on high school head uh, wrestling, uh, high school wrestling headgear as well. I thought maybe they got something from Sage Karam. He's because he's probably sparring, you know, after Xfinity practice today and getting some <laughs> things done with his his dad out in the out in the grass lot as well. How'd Sage qualify? Anybody know? I, I didn't see. I know Dinger won the poll, and that's all that I heard. Um, I'll look. I'll look it up while you're talking. While I'm chatting, okay. Uh, what else? Ryan Day, Day Privateer. Regarding Polo, I'm not aware of anyone enough one that thinks he has a shot at a ride. Taking one test drive or being reserved does not equal ride. Well, I don't know that many people in F1, so I haven't really um, canvassed their paddock on that, and I'm also not sure that. You know, they're not going to think anything of Alex Pillow because F1 people in general do not think highly of the IndyCar world. There's one opinion that matters. Well, there's more than one, but there's one that does think highly of IndyCar that can help. And it's Zach Brown. And can he uh, influence, uh, what is his name, Andreas Seidel? He's, I, I may have butchered his first name, but he's, I think, the team principal that more is in the competition side of formula one I, I i'm with you too i would be shocked if there is a plan to take someone that's never driven an f1 car and guarantee him an f1 ride i think the plan is multiple but it could include testing in the fall and testing next year and you know that they may be thinking hey if this goes really well maybe he's the replacement for ricardo in 24 but i cannot see that happening in the time it would need to happen if Ricardo isn't coming back for next year. But the other theory was, though, that they think they found it out regarding Formula One, and that's what the verbiage needs to be. So we shall see. Brett, go ahead. Sage Karam results. He qualified 12th. Interestingly, Ty Ty Gibbs is second, so that'll be fun to watch. And Chase Briscoe, an Indiana kid from southern Indiana, uh, qualified sixth. So not to take away from Ty Gibbs because he's talented. That well, he's he's in the Cup car now though. I was going to say, you know, what he does. No, this was the Xfinity car. In the Xfinity car, uh, I was thinking that this was the Cup race because Dinger's in the Cup race as well. That fifty-four Xfinity car, you can watch him miss apexes and go all over the road, and he catches up. That car is, and you ask people that know what's going on, it's amazing. But he did a nice job in the cup race last weekend. He's good. He's really good. But that car is awesome. Uh, Brett says, Pillow has mentioned McLaren racing for 23. What about him going to Formula E for them as well, being F1 reserve driver with an eye on F1 and 24? Would give him time to test and learn the program. Could then maybe avoid CGR drama thoughts. No, I've always thought that was an option if somehow – they work out something where he's not allowed to drive in IndyCar. And maybe that could be part of a buyout is it just depends on the language. 
does the language say that he's a Ganassi has his rights solely for IndyCar, but is he allowed to do something else? I'd kind of doubt it. Normally when you're under contract, they have the ability to say what you can drive in anything. But if there is that out, then maybe that is what he's doing for a year. Uh, what else? JV at real JV with the longer races planned for 24 and beyond that could work out nicely for a few IndyCar drivers to hop in as extras. Yeah. Talking about the IMSA race as well. Um, Kurt St. Angelo says I'm going to the Gallagher, Gallagher GP, but I just noticed the IndyCar website says that the race will not be on Peacock. Is that correct? I hope that I can at least see a replay there. I would think it's on Peacock. It's got to be on Peacock. It's got to be on Peacock. The question there, is, is it on locally? But I think it has to be. Has to be. And the good thing about Peacock is, as we, I, I think this happened again somewhere last week, one of the local affiliates didn't pick up the race. You know, when you start early in the day in some cases, although this wasn't super early, uh, they were running another program. So Peacock is a good backup plan if for some reason when it's on network television your affiliate isn't isn't picking up the race. Um, <laughs> Lil Toot says, any chance the reason Ganassi and Palo are fighting is because Chip had an amendment in Alex's contract, similar to the one that was in Kyler Murray's contract. Yeah, that was interesting. The Arizona Cardinals quarterback had an amendment that he had to study, basically study the playbook, <laughs> had, had to watch film during the week. No, uh, no, Alex Palo is diligent. He, he's... The professor is a nickname for him. This guy gets it done. I think I started to say this earlier. It's pretty remarkable what Alex is doing amongst all this turmoil. I got off track a little bit that he's the top Ganassi guy. The whole world has to feel, feels to me, and I'm not even in his world, feels like it's sort of caving in. And this guy just smiles and he goes out there and he, it's going to be amazing when he wins. To see what that's like and see who shows up in victory lane and see who congratulates him interestingly on the indycar website peacock is not listed for saturday's race it is listed for other races still to come on the schedule i can't believe that it was intent that was accidentally left off it must be not on peacock for some reason i don't know what that would be i don't know either seems strange i'll i'll fix it <laughs> okay, fix it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Send your questions to Townsend Bell. Townsend's in charge of all programming, and he will deal with that tomorrow. All right, uh, so IndyCar Radio, I bet they're doing extra programming tomorrow morning. Just be listening to 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan, getting you set for the race. I'm going to guess the Xfinity race is on tomorrow as well, the cup race on Sunday here on the radio with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network and uh, our friends from PRN as well. Noon on NBC, 12.30 is the green flag tomorrow. Kurt will have it covered uh, along with his friends on IndyCar.com and all the other outlets. You know we can count on Matt Arcoletta. Indy44 says the race is on Peacock. So this is on you, Kurt. You alert your people at the website. Yeah, let's, it has to be on Peacock. I can't imagine it's not on Peacock. I, I'm so not, for Indy there is a little bit of a question of races that are on cable. I believe the contract says they do not have to appear on Peacock, but I think everything that's on NBC Sports is available on Peacock these days, at least 
in our world. NASCAR may be a little bit different because their contract goes back much longer. But in the new IndyCar contract, my understanding is that's the case. But it's not my department. When they tell me to talk tomorrow, I will start talking. And more importantly, when they tell me to stop talking, I'll stop talking, which is what Josh Molnix has told me now. Our producer in studio, we're done. For Kurt, I'm Kevin. We're back to a weekly Tuesday night next week at 7 o'clock. Don't forget, Beyond the Bricks with Jake Query and Mike Thompson is up next. 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.